Hello and welcome to the Jewish Mother Me podcast. This is the podcast which ponders the question, Jewish mothers, should every home have one? If not a real person, then something that she represents. My name's Angela Epstein. I'm Lynn Dover. Noemi Lopian. And together we three often think about the Jewish matriarchs we have known in our lives and whether we can import any of the wisdom, the fun, the humour into our lives. But we've been fretting recently, haven't we girls? We've been fretting over what? Our Harry. Because things are have been quite upsetting in Buckingham Palace. And I suspect that there's a lot of difficult and broigus going on. It's a delicious Yiddish word, the broigus, which often in our world relates to kind of this immutable, incontrovertible, immovable feud or fallout. And as Lynn rightly says, we're talking about the House of Windsor and Harry and Meghan. Now, hang on, hang on. Don't touch the dial and think, heard enough of this. Hey, annoy me, sit down. Even she's busy going off to stir the chicken soup. As for Lynn, she has a bathroom to grout. But in all seriousness, we just wondered, weren't we girls, about the fact that would a little bit of the matriarchal wisdom that we knew have been able to resolve some of this? And sort of disclaimer here, as the journalist in the room, I have been a little bit critical. Noemi, uh, where are you with the Harry and Meghan? I I thought Harry needed mothering and a little bit almost mothering and lots of wisdom, motherly wisdom. And Lily, where were you? I'm tired of it all (laughs) and I don't really care that much. I'm sorry to be so disingenuous, but I just feel as though if it was my kid that was washing his dirty linen in public to that extent, I wouldn't be very happy Jewish mum. Okay, so hold that thought first of all. So um, would you say we were all agreed... And what we're trying to do here, if you're listening, Harry, is try and help you negotiate (laughs) a way through it. Noms, first of all, would you say that we're starting off from... Because you're very pro-Harry. And is this because we're dealing with somebody who's a figure of sympathy? So he wasn't a figure of sympathy. I just felt that there was so much attack, so much misery on his part, shared in the spare, and that he was ill-advised. Why indeed, as Lynn said, would you wash your dirty linen? in public it means you're disloyal and why was he not looking to mend the feud rather than increase it i just feel that he's hurt and hurting so much that it's almost like a child that has a temper tantrum and when a child has a temper tantrum it it kicks and he's kicking and if he would have had some uh, wise advice it would have said don't act on your hurt but try and mend and build bridges and go to your dad and just You know, work that out with your therapy, the hurt and the anger, but try and create a bond again with your father. And I think it is the loss of his mother at a young age. And I still, he's craving that mother. I know, Lynn, you said that you're uh, kind of, you're getting a bit exhausted about the whole Harry thing, because by the time, I mean, obviously our podcasts live for eternity on various platforms, and who knows where this never-ending story will be by the time you tune in. But this is a matter of historical record, if you find us in a time capsule. Setting aside the fact that, you know, obviously you can get a bit of fatigue over this story, do you think it all starts from when he lost his mum? I'm sure it does. It's not just losing his mum. He's lived his entire life under the spotlight of the press. And I think the press have a lot of influence and contribution to his angst and his terrible feeling of abandonment and all the other complicated things that he feels. But on the other hand, he is using the press now to promote his memoirs. And I I have difficulty dealing with the contradiction of those two. It's the hatred of the press and the manipulation and using of the press that I have difficulty dealing with. Mm. And I, I can see both sides and I can walk away from it because I won't 
be buying the book because I'm not that interested. But I just feel as though you can't have it both ways either. And I think there are far more pressing issues in the world to Mm. be worrying about than him. It's not just about Harry, though, is it? But we're looking particularly about this relationship of of parents and children. And this is not a parenting podcast. It may well be that you, if you're listening, have had difficult relationships with your siblings or your parents. I'm just wondering, of the Jewish matriarchs that you've known, that I've known, our own mothers and others, what they would have made or would make of this in terms of taking this boy to one side and saying how to resolve it what what do you think i'm not sure it's uh, resolvable just at this stage maybe time will move on and some healing will take place but i think it's very difficult to forgive somebody for venting so publicly and so vociferously to the world that's very true but i think you know we often talk on this podcast about maternal wisdom i don't think i am anywhere near don't know whether it's an age thing or maturity or just a lack of intuition but my my late mum um, was a w- woman of, of profound wisdom just sort of garnered from life life experiences and i just think an innate sweetness and positivity And I think if I'm trying to answer that question with her head on my shoulders, because I remember her once talking to a friend of mine who was a bit troubled about a relationship in his family. And she came around and she said, that boy is troubled. And he sort of opened his heart to her. And she started from the point of him being a troubled person. Mm. Do you think this is not about your ordinary hurt, that the, the problem with falling out with siblings or parents is that it can be as much about you as a person as the source of the feud in Harry's case, not accepting his wife or whatever. Yeah, I think that's a very valid point, absolutely, and very much so because he's blaming everybody else, including, you know, fights with William. Now you tell me which sibling hasn't had a fight. My sister Mura will tell you that I fought with her, often my fault. I admit it now, Mura, apologies. But um, I do think Troubled Child is absolutely right, and I do think he was ill-advised to air his linen in public and it's not healing for himself either it's done the exact opposite and really often people do that I've seen it in families where they actually lash out and they become nastier nastier and deep down what they're actually craving and it's interesting psychologists will have a field day is they're craving empathy and love and actually metaphorical sort of rocking and cuddling and being close to that person but go about it totally in the wrong way. And I suppose, you know, some people will find it hard to empathise with Harry, a prince who's got everything. It's not necessary for him to go about it this way. I'm just wondering whether King Charles can be that metaphorical mother and rock him and forgive him in time for the coronation when he's upset King Charles. He's lashed out at everybody, Harry. And so I think your mum's definition, Angela, of a... Troubled child yeah. is spot on for Harry. So he's he's sort of he's in this situation now, or people get themselves in these situations. And and my sister has a, a phrase, she says people get in their own way. They get themselves so deeply entrenched mm. in situations. Harry's situation was without question tragic, the loss of his mother, mm. and then being asked to parade his grief in front of the world mm. by walking That's in front terrible. of the coffin. Mm. Do you think also this is a controversial question? When it comes to losing a parent. You can love them equally, but the mother 
Mm. The fact that it was his mother that died, do you think that has deepened the trouble rather than the father? I think it was a mother as well who was already troubled herself and was seen as a, a victim in a situation as well. So I think he was probably, as a child, aware of his mother's suffering. So he probably saw the fact that she died as the culmination of a terrible series of events and a very difficult life mm. and it's almost Shakespearean in its mm-hmm. tragedy. How could that not affect him as a person? Absolutely, because I'm I'm also thinking that she seemed to love him so much. Now this might sound a ridiculous thing, but all mothers, not obviously just Jewish mothers, but all mothers, but Jewish mothers often get called out for it because we are known as smotherers. We might love <laughs> as equally as any mother, but there's a suggestion from the caricature that we're a bit claustrophobic with it. Do you think that, that in Harry's case that she almost was a bit like that kind of mother, Diana? She did smother him in love and that's what's made the loss so difficult for him. Maybe she loved him equally with his brother and that's not something that happened in other parts of his life I think he suffers acutely from a feeling of competition with his older brother Mm. and I'm lucky enough to have two brothers but no sisters so I haven't really ever felt a very close competition but can I ask a very serious question which you I mean you may have thought of or you may not or you may not even want to answer but it did cross my mind when we were just talking you were the same age as Harry when you lost your father 12? Yes. So you were 12 years old, a father that you adored, who you have memorialised in your amazing work as a Holocaust educator because he was a Holocaust survivor and went on to be a a very, very highly regarded doctor and dentist, but essentially, principally, he was your father. Mm. Now, your grief and the way you manifested your grief would have been quite different. Do you think the fact that 12 is, I mean, it's a difficult age to work out. Can you connect in any way with Harry because of the fact you were the same age? Suppose what you say is true. I don't know how, be God forbid, with a mother and a father that there is a difference. But I can connect with the loss, the abrupt loss, the shock. I mean, Diana was there one day and gone the next. And what, what happened to your dad? And my dad collapsed with a heart attack and then died two weeks later. Oh my um, so it's the same abruptness. So similar, yeah. I just think he lost his main advocator, you know, mothers and sons. I mean, I'm not blessed listeners with sons. I've got gorgeous sons-in-laws now. But uh, mothers and sons, the, my, my fellow podcasters can tell you, have got a very special relationship. And I think he would have really felt that cut of the umbilical cord very strongly. Yes. And I think she was his protector. He was the youngest. He was the baby. I don't know at the time, but as a 12-year-old 40-odd years ago, therapy all the things that harry talked about he didn't have presumably you didn't have as well but i think that age that pivotal point of adolescence the abruptness the lack of preparation if one could ever be prepared i'm not saying it justifies anything but do you think a lot of it is down to personality as well because you can sometimes get two people my mum used to say this you can have two people who have experienced exactly the same thing be it a divorce, be it somebody behaving in a certain way at work. And actually, it wasn't the set of circumstances, it was the personality that orientated their way through it, good or bad, I don't know Yeah, very, very much so. I totally agree with that. And I've seen that when I was training um, in a hospital and it was pointed out to me by my consultant in rheumatology when I was in houseman and there were two ladies with the same deformities and similar disabilities and one was positively natured and one was negatively natured and one could do so much and the other could do nothing 
it's nature and nurture the argument and i think there is no nature versus nurture it's the combo of both mm. yeah Absolutely. very much and you've hit the nail on the head it's everything's yeah. multifactorial there's very little in any area of life that's just black and white i think but also any kind of fallout within the family obviously in harry's case it's a father and son my mum used to say to me, the, the thing that upset her more than anything else was the idea that siblings could fall out. Mm. She couldn't bear it. Could we you imagine like two of your children no, no, not, not talking at all. to each other? I'd be mortified Correct. and I'd yeah. literally walk over broken glass to try and sort it out and try and reconcile them as well, which is what is almost as pretty upsetting as well, looking at the Harry, Charles and um, William situation. If you are in a similar situation to Harry, if... You were going to go into a room with Charles and Harry or somebody in that situation where a child and the parent had fallen out. What would your approach be? I'd say to each party, what do you want? And that would be your starting and, point. That would be the starting point. And then you'd see if each side was like proper mediation is if you could meet in the middle. But it, it's almost it's not because what I'm asking you really is having you know you're a very very good devoted daughter you you have kids as well obviously but you've got siblings you know people because you deal with people all the time because of the nature of your work so setting aside the professional therapy if you just went in as the very sensible Lynn we know and love and they're in front of you that's 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 you think is the opening i'm I'm wondering that's what i would do because it needs a clinical approach otherwise you appear to be taking sides or not looking at the city needs a rational and almost cold approach because I think otherwise you get emotions involved and it just it won't work. And what about you, Norms? If you went in there like a <laughs> maybe heat-seeking she's... missile, I think it's the elephant this time. I um well, I often say to Danny, my husband, yeah, have things with the kids. I always say, well, you are the parent and they are the child. So I expect more of the parent. I'm not as you good definitely. as Lynn, so I'm not the good therapist here, and I would say to Charles, you're the older one, you're the wiser one with more experience. There's definitely a so senior you have partner to, yeah, in all relationships. You have to make the first step. So I would be much more bombastic. And Lynn is, listen, as the true therapist, to stay objective. And I, not the therapist here, I would actually, I think, in mediation sometimes, need to give someone a bit of a push and say, yeah, you know what, so it's your honour that's hurt. So what? For the sake of moving on, for the sake of re-enmeshing in the relationship, yes, something is lost and might not ever be exactly the same again. But for peace's sake, and that's the goal. So that's two very different approaches. It's quite interesting, Mm -hmm. actually, because Lynn, who is... I don't know if any of you have different friends for different occasions. Mm -hmm. So you can love all your friends equally. But so, for example, if if Lynn, very practical issue, she sees things Dead clearly. And I know I'm going to get a a not unequivocal, you know, noms you take a a different approach. So for different situations, might go to you for that. And we all have that with Mm. our friends. What would you do, Angela? Nobody comes to me because I talk rubbish. Um, (laughs) But I'm not... The line of demarcation between the two of you is quite sort of vague for me because I do understand that you need to say, what do you want? What do you want? And people have said that to me when I've had hurtful situations. People have said to me, what do you want? And I'm there going, well, I'd like this, but, 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 but I want my day in court and I want to say, and I actually understand that people in those situations want their day in court. Mm. He wants to be able to say blah, blah, which the Lynn in my ear is saying, that's great, get it off your chest, but what do you want? I think also once you sometimes 
if you actually spell out what you want, sometimes it sounds ridiculous and you realise you've got to step back a little mm, bit. And sometimes true. actually vocalising or writing it down what you actually want can sound ridiculous and you then know you've got to be a little bit more pragmatic and wind things back. Yeah, and I think that's really powerful actually to say that, to be really honest with yourself. And I think that is a very important step because it's almost like grieving. So, you know, grieving for the loss of that relationship. So you have to go through anger and hurt. And Lynn is quite right. Really say what you want and say what's upset you and, and do all that. And then maybe you hear yourself that it might not work, all these feelings towards a reconciliation. And maybe you sound ridiculous or somebody else will tell you. And then go through the stages together with having a little bit of time to breathe. Go I on, also Lynn. think I once listened to another podcast. What? And they got... Um, people around the table and before they started any discussion they made people introduce themselves and say a little bit about themselves and I think if you know the other person it's much easier to move on and I think if you can I know that we're talking about siblings now but sometimes siblings don't know how each other's feeling so maybe outlining the feelings I feel very hurt because and I would like this to happen Mm. might actually go a long way and I think sometimes to have a stranger there is is really good with siblings or parents and children when you the closer you feel to have that stranger there is that uh, therapist or the mediator whoever they are is that voice of objectivity yes so therefore everybody can trust them and there's no ulterior motive as such or no investment and each side hopefully would listen to that mediator and that's sometimes important to have there they don't feel the person's taking sides but I also think that that everything is so raw and so mm, hurtful in the true. our royal family at the moment so i think it might be good that everyone has a bit of a break let some time pass and then has another go at trying to yeah. sort things out i think sometimes it, it's just too soon yeah. there is that but also i think there is if resentment is deep it mm. can eat away at you yeah. so i think my only take on true. this my personal take and again i'm filtering it through the the words of my mother whispering in my ear would be what she used to say on the rare occasions that I fell out with, well, I never fell out with my brother because he was a good boy. And my sister and I, obviously, as girls, um, just girl stuff. But my mum would shake her head in despair and say, you are supposed to love each other. Now, that's actually quite simplistic because when you're so deeply resentful, but it was something as big as Harry or whatever, the next sentence is going to start with but, but, but. Mm. If you start with but, you're already on a hiding to nowhere. But some people... If they start with the word but, then that's a problem. I think one thing we haven't mentioned is that, say, in Harry's position, but also we could play it out in other situations, is Charles is said to have said, and it was the most pitiful thing that I read in this whole dog and pony show, Mm. he doesn't want his autumn years to be marred by this misery. Mm. Life is not a dress rehearsal. You know, you read this stuff on tea towels, but it isn't. And you know what happens, I'm sure we've talked about this before, then God forbid somebody dies, you know, you can't do anything, and then you live with the guilt. Mm. And in Harry's situation, if Charles went to his grave without being resolved, Harry would always be badged as the person that made him miserable, and vice versa. Mm. So, you know... Is it not then up to Charles to to try and sort things out? Well, so this is what I think we've come to agree, really, Mm. is that he's the grown-up in the room. Mm. So... Harry may or may not be listening, but if you are in a position (laughs) like Harry, you know, there has been a broigus, but in terms of a very, very painful family situation, anything what we want to sort of remember our mothers 
Do you think that that would have guided you to give any other advice there in these situations? Often I'm told not to answer back, and I admire Charles and William and Kate for not answering back. I think that I was do. very good. I admire that as well, but I also think that we like to remember things through our own prism, and sometimes mm. we don't always know what the other person has felt or how they've perceived our side of the story to be. So that's why clarity and sitting down and sort of saying how you feel and how you've gone through something or perceived your suffering to be might actually be helpful. My final thought would be, again, it's an extension of my mum. You know, you can have friends who can be the most amazing friends. I have two here. And you're blessed if you have friends like this in your life. Here's and they have, they have a very particular role in your life. But family is something different. It's not a zero-sum game. I'm not saying better or worse, but family is something that can't be replicated mm. elsewhere. And I would say to Harry or anybody in a similar situation that you have one father in this situation, you have a brother, you have nieces and nephews, you have blood that links you together, you have the potential for great love there. And anybody who is in this situation you are wasting time. You may have very deep and bitter reasons for your feud and they may be very justifiable. But every day that it goes past when it's not resolved, you are wasting time. And what a marvellous example you would be to the entire world if you could sort it out because you would be a model of reconciliation and love that everyone would look to as an example. That would be true leadership, influence and leadership. That would be truly wonderful. Well, there you go. So um, I hope you had a pen and paper there for all the things that uh, we could send to Harry. But we mean it with love. I'm a monarchist. I'm sorry that this has evolved. And I'm sorry for anybody who has these fractured situations in their lives, who has any kind of broigus in their lives. Because it's actually hard work. Broiguses are hard work. They're hard work. They're painful and they erode at you. I think we've said it before on our previous Broigus episode. It eats into your soul. Yeah, yeah yes, most definitely. So we hope that uh, that was something that may offer some wisdom, the wisdom we've imported into our lives. You've been listening to the Jewish Mother Me podcast. My name is Angela Epstein. Noemi Lopian. And Lynn Dover. And tell them, girls, where you can find us. We have an Instagram page. Spotify, the Apple podcast. We're across all platforms. And uh, if you want to get in touch, we also have a Facebook page to tell us what you think, what you think of this. If there are topics you'd like to hear about, just please let us know. And thanks, obviously, to uh, Phil Salter of Northern Air Productions, who makes all the whistles and bells work. We'll be back soon. But until then, look after yourselves. Bye. Bye. Bye.